0: Welcome to Fantastic History. I'm Clay. I'm Sarah. We are a husband and wife duo who enjoy telling each other about amazing events, people, and mysteries throughout history. So, Sarah, I found something interesting.
1: No way. Yeah.
0: <laughs> as, as many of these stories uh, start, we find something interesting to tell each other about, and we do. But today, it's going to be a little different. So, I found this infograph on online it's from let's see here it's from the atlas obscura
1: oh that's a good one
0: and it's called the a to z guide of history's great panics okay and when i first saw this i said oh that's fantastic this is going to be a source for any uh, up to 26 future episodes <laughs> but when i started looking at them i thought well many of these don't have enough meat For a full episode. Mm -hmm. Still interesting, but not quite enough for a full episode. So I thought, wait a minute. What if I just looked at the entire guide, A to Z, and did a series of episodes on all of them? Okay. So that's what we are doing today.
1: That's exciting.
0: And the next few days. Well, yeah, that makes sense. The next few episodes. I'm going to be going from A to Z. On this infograph, and you can find it online if you want to, but I'm going to be going over everything on this infograph, but I'm going to be making a couple of changes. There's a couple of letters on here that I didn't think the topic was interesting enough mm. or it was sort of a a repeat of an earlier topic. Oh, gotcha. Um, So I made a couple of alterations here and there, but we'll get into that when we get to it. Let's start off by going to A. Okay, Sarah. Yes, Clay. <laughs> when pinball was invented in 1871, it was pretty different than the game we have now. No lights, no high score, no Adams Family theme.
1: Oh, what?
0: And interestingly, no flippers. Oh. Which I would consider the most basic attribute of a pinball machine. Yeah. As we know them today.
1: Flipper number one, Adam's family number two. Yeah. Shiny metal ball number three.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But flippers were not added to the game until 1947. Meaning when you launched a ball into the game before then, the player had no control over it. The ball just kind of bounced around and ended up where it ended up.
1: That's a terrible game.
0: Yeah. It it reminds me of like, um, I think Pachinko is similar to that. Mm. But um and, and that sort of leads into where I'm going with this. This led pinball games to get the reputation of a game of chance. Right. A gambling game.
1: Oh.
0: The game of criminals, mobsters, and <laughs> no-gooders.
1: <laughs> okay. Yep. That's how I've always thought of pinball. <laughs>
0: so in 1942, mayor of New York City, um, LaGuardia. 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 Thank you. Banned pinball. So, A is for Anti-Arcade Initiatives. (laughs) Using the bombing of Pearl Harbor as a starting point, the claim was that pinball games used valuable resources that could be better used in the war effort. Not to mention, it was rotting kids' brains and stealing their lunch money. So, LaGuardia's uh, crusade was very personal, too. And it was so personal that he personally smashed pinball machines with sledgehammers, and had them thrown into the river
1: okay so we're littering first of all what the hell
0: well i thought these were valuable resources right that could be used for the war effort
1: but we're gonna throw them into the river
0: yeah <sighs> look he, he hated them so much he wanted to toss them and he wanted them to sleep with the fishes
1: uh, that's why jfk is the more popular airport i hope he's yeah. happy
0: Well, the moral crusade against pinball continued for several more decades until finally in 1976, pinball historian Roger Sharp went to a city council meeting in New York to show members that pinball was actually a game of skill, not chance. Now, notice the date, 76. This was after the flippers had been invented and added to the game. Oh, yeah. So it was a very different game now. Uh, So he brought two games with him and demonstrating that he could beat the game but the members were not totally convinced at this point. They were just watching him sort of taking it in. And I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe not. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's a little hard to tell. It still feels like it might be a game of chance to me. The council members were like, you know, okay, you can bounce the ball around with the, with the bumpers. But a game of skill a flipper does not make. That is until Sharp pulled a Babe Ruth, where in his next turn, he called exactly where the ball would end up. And then proceeded to do exactly that.
1: Wow.
0: And it was at this exact moment that many of the members changed their minds and said, ah, I see. Skill. And this led to the lifting of the prohibition and 80s kids everywhere rejoiced. (laughs) Now, speaking of the 80s, let's talk about the satanic panic.
1: Woohoo! I love this one. (laughs)
0: Now, B is for backmasking panic.
1: Oh, I was going to say B is for Baphomet, but okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now, backmasking has been around ever since recorded audio has. Music and lyrics presented in reverse for the player to play backwards and hear the true meaning.
1: Okay. I didn't know there was like a name for that. Okay.
0: Indeed there is.
1: Mm, All right.
0: Now, the Beatles popularized (laughs) backmasking in songs like Tomorrow Never Knows and Rain, Mm -hmm. but they were also responsible for the first controversy, involving backtracking the famous Paul is dead message mm-hmm. heard when playing the song revolution nine in reverse popularized the idea that there were other hidden messages hidden in songs, whether intentionally or not.
1: Oh boy.
0: So, you know, there, there, there were plenty of bands that did this on purpose. Whether they wanted the listener to know about it immediately, because sometimes it can be extremely obvious that they're talking in reverse. Right. Or hidden in such a way that if you went back and listened, you would get a little surprise, a little Easter egg. But here comes the buzzkill. The fundamentalist Christians and the rise of the Christian right.
1: Boo! Boo! The bad guy in every story.
0: Pretty much, as we will see as we go forward. Oh, geez. By the early 80s, the idea among the fundies that satanic messages were hidden in the backmasking of the devil's music rock and roll was <laughs> becoming very popular.
1: <laughs> it's so embarrassing. But it
0: wasn't just popular in pulpits. It was popular among government representatives as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And as
0: I said, this was the beginning of the Christian far right. And we know how crazy they are today. Mm-hmm. Well, they decided that this issue was important enough to justify Prop AB 3741 in California in 1982. The bill was to put labels on all rock albums containing these messages. Okay. Now, mm-hmm. Sarah, if you listen to music backwards, it's really just incomprehensible noise, right? Yeah. And so if you listen long enough, you're going to hear exactly what you're looking for.
1: Because that's what your brain does. That's how the human brain works.
0: Exactly. And I'm sure that they could have found... Uh, Uh, divine messages too. Mm -hmm. God is real things like that yeah instead they found the complete opposite of course in the case of the bill the primary source was stairway to heaven oh (laughs) ma did you hear that which when played backwards at some point you can hear barely and I mean barely because I listened to it oh and you can barely hear it but you have to be looking for it to hear it Something that sounds like, here's to my sweet Satan. (laughs) (laughs) Horrifying.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, how he's known to his friends. Yeah. Sweet Satan.
0: Uh, Thankfully, this bill never came to vote, but other legislation was being introduced across the country, Mm -hmm. even in Congress for national action. Now, thankfully, nothing ended up passing, uh, but Christians were relentless with album-burning bonfires and best-selling books detailing the truth about the devil's music.
1: They love to burn other people's art, don't they? Indeed. Mm.
0: By the end of the 80s, backmasking, the the panic revolving around it had subsided. I suppose the subliminal messages found in grunge just weren't the same.
1: (laughs) No, they wouldn't be.
0: Now let's move on from Satan to a phenomenon that gets blamed on Satan plenty of times as well. But hey, what doesn't get blamed on Satan really? I was going to say... I'm talking about mass hysteria,
1: Mm. which can be
0: defined as an outbreak of unusual or uncharacteristic behaviors, thoughts and feelings shared by a group of people.
1: Love a good mass hysteria.
0: Essentially, it's a delusion, but it doesn't just have to affect one person, but a group or large group as if it were a real illness, Mm. Mm -hmm. but it's all in their heads. Lots of interesting cases across history and some we'll get into later. But for right now, we are talking about C, which is for Cat Nun Outbreak. Sorry? It took place in the Middle Ages in France. Mm. It was apparently not uncommon for outbreaks of hysterical events to occur among the repressed and clustered groups of nuns staying in Christian convents.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Uh, living their celibate lives, in many cases not of their own choice. Oh, that'll do it. Performing difficult work and living in self-imposed poverty sure looks like a recipe for mental breakdown.
1: Yeah, I'd go nuts real fast.
0: So in this case, one day, one of the nuns began to meow.
1: Oh, Oh my God. Okay, so the cat was literal. Okay.
0: Yes, C-A-T. Oh, okay. And then other nuns began to meow. Oh, my God. And they would meow, meow every day. For hours, so loudly that their neighborhood could hear it. (laughs) These daily cat concerts. (laughs) And it did not stop until police came and forced them under threat of physical violence.
1: Whoa.
0: So, was it really mass hysteria? Or was it just these ladies having a laugh? Who knows?
1: I mean, to keep it going for hours, it's not going to be funny anymore after after a certain point. So, you kind of have to... I mean, look at it from that perspective. Well, I don't
0: know because when you're in this, in these convents, and you don't
1: have—I
0: mean, I mean—I don't know how much fun they were having, and if fun was considered to be something that you were allowed to have when you mm. take that, you know, take on that lifestyle. Yeah. So who's to say?
1: That's fair. I honestly
0: have no idea, but it's a pretty fun story.
1: It is. I love that.
0: Now, honey, let's go back to the '80s again.
1: Oh good i'm so excited
0: because that is a safe place in (laughs) 1980s yes it is. well for some but not if you enjoy anything fun lest you be labeled a satan worshiper Hmm. for instance dungeons and dragons
1: oh yes our Mm -hmm. entry for
0: Letter double D. Yay. The game was no stranger to controversy, but it really amped up during the 80s when D&D's rise in popularity smashed up against the rising satanic panic. Dungeons and Dragons was targeted as a recruitment tool of Satan by fundamentalist Christians and as a general threat to mental well-being after it was misattributed as a cause in the suicide of James Dallas Egbert or Ebert the third, in 1980. His story inspired a few books, most notably one called Mazes and Monsters, which became a movie in 1982 starring Tom Hanks. Nice. Who plays a kid. uh, Tom Hanks plays a kid who plays a game like Dungeons and Dragons with his friends until a psychotic episode makes him think that the game is real (laughs) with dangerous results. Oh, Tom. It's quite silly. Now, in 1988, Chris Pritchard, a student at North Carolina State University, orchestrated the murder of his father with his two friends. Uh, the story focused heavily on the fact that the three played Dungeons and Dragons, though later true crime books and programs... And podcasts. And podcasts use this that angle to really bolster the uh the implication that d was like the main reason that they mm-hmm. went after his father in actuality there were many other things that were more likely the cause yeah however the negative press did increase the popularity of the game but it did cause the publisher to have to remove some controversial references in the player handbook like demons, devils, and other supernatural references in the second edition of Advanced Dungeons and Dragons.
1: Interesting. They, they they
0: did this sort of as a you know to show that they're doing something. You know.
1: Yeah. Sorry, I was I was looking around to see if we had our five E book. I wanted to see if there were demons and devils in it, but I think it's uh not in here.
0: They were later added back Yay into the book. So Demons ha- Hail Satan.
1: Demons, demons
0: so this infographic that I'm using as a guide has some interesting and obscure entries, but it also uh is limited because there's only one entry per letter. Oh yeah. So it omits some pretty big uh panics and cases of mass hysteria. Uh so I am including a second D entry.
1: So you're literally doing D and D.
0: Uh, yeah, incredible. A- D and D and, and D. D. <laughs> Because we have to discuss the dancing panic of 1518.
1: Yay! I love this one.
0: This is one of the most famous cases of mass hysteria. And a lot of people have heard about it. But it would be silly of us to ignore it. You
1: cannot leave out the dancing panic. It rules.
0: So the event occurred in Strasbourg, which is um, in France. And it, and it took place when France was the Holy Roman Empire. Mm. Uh And the event started when a woman began to dance in the streets. She danced until she collapsed from exhaustion, but then she resumed dancing once she had rested. And this lasted for several days. And eventually she was joined by others. More than 30 people danced in the streets, incapable of stopping despite pain, injury, or exhaustion. City and religious leaders were unsure how to deal with this. I mean, at the time they didn't understand what was happening. Right. So... They gathered the affected into halls and performed music for them. And they were thinking perhaps if we uh, created more of the delusion that it could come to like a natural end. Once, the, once, once oh, like the it pa- would
1: like crescendo and then kind of burn out. Yeah,
0: like, like okay. oh, it's a party. And now the party's over. Right. And now the stopping can end. Okay. Unfortunately, it didn't work. Yeah. And as many as 400 people were now compulsively dancing. Oh, my. God. Honestly, this was not a... I, I thought that was a pretty good idea, because they were trying to find some solution, right? That didn't involve beating them, right? Like the nuns, were, yeah. were had to deal with. But uh, when I saw that the number jumped to four hundred, it's possible that they just made it worse, right? Anyway, by early September, the mania had started to fade away. But this was after some had already died from their complete inability to stop dancing, to eat, drink, or sleep. Wow. Now, explanations at the time were varied, as one would expect, um, to overheated blood, fungal infections from contaminated flour, and just plain old demon possession.
1: Well, obviously, yeah.
0: But we now know the best explanation was a case of mass psychogenic disorder brought on by stress. Look, I heard you can dance your troubles away, (laughs) but this is ridiculous. (laughs) E is for egg. Yay. May I offer you an egg in these trying times? (laughs) Always. Or should I say these lying times?
1: What?
0: You see, it is now time that we must talk about Mary Bateman, otherwise known as the Yorkshire Witch. Oh. In 1806, Bateman convinced the people of Leeds that the world was about to end. How did she do this? A hen she owned laid an egg in front of witnesses, which had the inscription, Christ is coming. The eggs were put on display, and Bateman charged a penny to see them.
1: Oh, my.
0: It was known as the Prophet Hen of Leeds. Oh, my God. (laughs) Okay. That seems pretty straightforward, but Sarah, I have to inform you that this was indeed a hoax. What?
1: How can that be?
0: Well, let me explain. After the hen was taken away from Bateman, the prophetic eggs stopped being laid. Hmm. In fact, Bateman had been writing the messages on laid eggs and reinserting
1: them. (gasps) Oh my god. Yes. Ew. Horrible. Yeah. Speaking of horrible,
0: things ended soon for Mary Bateman. Later that year, she claimed that she could cure a woman's painful sufferings. She had stomach issues. Mm. But instead, she poisoned her over a few months until she died.
1: Yeah, you can't do that.
0: She was tried and executed by hanging. Afterwards, her dissected body was put on display for a 3 pence fee. Suppose Turnabout is fair play. Yeah, yeah. It's also reported that strips of her skin were turned into leather to cover two books which went missing in the mid nineteenth century.
1: Now what the hell is wrong with people?
0: Could it be fake? I don't know. Now I I, I honestly don't know if any of this story is true. <laughs> but if it is, then it is certainly extraordinary.
1: Don't ever talk to me again.
0: I have to because we have a few more to go.
1: Oh yeah, we're only on E.
0: Yeah. We got we got a whole alphabet to go.
1: Yeah, I guess so.
0: North of Manchester, Sarah. Yes. In the town of Blackburn, we mm. find our next case of mass hysteria. F is for the fainting sickness of nineteen sixty five. Oh dear. It was summer, and hundreds of people were, were waiting for the arrival of Princess Margaret to visit the <sighs> newly restored Blackburn Cathedral. Oh,
1: Princess Margaret.
0: The crowd had been waiting for hours there in the hot sun when suddenly one of the school children fainted, and then another, and another until 140 had collapsed. Oh, dear. Now, emergency responders explained that it may have been the heat, the length of time, the fact that many children came out before having their breakfast. Oh, no. All of these things. Come
1: on, Mark. It was still
0: a large amount of kids, though. So, explanations could be made until the following day when 96 children at St. Hilda's Girls' School, also in Blackburn, experienced another episode of mass fainting. Whoa. The conditions of the event were completely different, and no reasonable explanation could be made. Now, over the weekend, the sickness seems to have faded. Until Monday, Mm. when another 54 children fainted. At school. At school.
1: Okay, then.
0: The city went to extraordinary lengths to find the cause. Water and food were tested, paint and furniture were sampled, nothing added up. Mm -hmm. And valid reasons were never found to explain the entire event, other than it may have been a case of mass hysteria. It was also not the last time that it happened. In 2015, children at outwood academy in ripton north yorkshire were assembling at a remembrance service when a when um 40 of them fainted oh dear and again no reason could be determined as to why
1: so i'm gonna say with like the first round it, what an incredible coincidence that nobody fainted when they you know when it was the weekend yeah and I feel like after like some of the people who fainted waiting for Princess Margaret, other kids were just like, I just want to go home. I'm going to be in on this too. Or like sometimes kids will see like another kid getting a ton of attention and they're like, oh, I'm going to copy that because I want the attention too. And then the other two instances where when they were at school, it's like, I just want to go home. I don't want to be here for today. It's certainly possible. That is 100% what I think happened. Okay. But that's just me.
0: I think... <laughs> It was a, I think it was mass psychosis mm-hmm. because uh, it's more interesting.
1: Okay. Yeah, I guess so.
0: <laughs> now, some of the stories on this list may have been embellished, as you believe. Yeah. Or entirely fake. But this next one is a genuine bona fide hoax. Ooh. G is for the great moon hoax which started on August 25th, 1835 in the pages of the New York sun newspaper. I
1: thought you were going to talk about all the kids on TikTok hexing the moon, trying to make it disappear.
0: I don't know about that.
1: Thank God. You're very lucky. Continue.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that would be in a, in a future infograph. God,
1: no, this it's not worth your time. Okay.
0: The following series of six articles claimed to be from the, um, Edinburgh Journal of Science and attributed the famous astronomer Sir John Herschel. Now what did the articles say? They explained that a powerful telescope in South Africa had found life on the moon.
1: Oh boy.
0: But not just life specifically unicorns (gasps) and winged humanoid monsters. It also described lush vegetation, crystals, rivers, and pretty much anything else you could think of. That was simply not true. Well, yeah. But most readers did not re- realize that it was satire, including a committee from Yale University scientists.
1: Oh my God. Really, guys?
0: Who traveled to New York to see the articles for themselves. That is so
1: embarrassing.
0: The n- newspaper sent, le- sent them out on a wild goose chase across the city until they just left. Good. But they were not aware that they had been fooled.
1: Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay.
0: Now, when the hoax was realized by the by the mass as a fake, uh, the Sun did not print any retractions, and their sales actually rose. Oh my! It appears people were quite amused by the hoax; they <laughs> found it pretty funny. But at least one person did not, and his name was Edgar Allan Poe.
1: Yeah, I can't imagine him finding anything funny.
0: <laughs> well, interestingly, Poe had written a short story earlier that year called the unparalleled adventure of one Hans Fall. It is regarded as one of the earliest examples of modern science fiction and it is about a story it, it, it is a story about a trip to the moon but
1: oh. it
0: was intended as a hoax to be put it, it was put in a uh, in a um, monthly journal okay and it was to be printed as if it were real Oh dear. A a real trip to the moon Mm -hmm. that found life. Mm -hmm. The details of it were obviously different. Um, Now, Poe allegedly considered the Great Moon Hoax to be plagiarizing this work.
1: Understandably so.
0: Although his was much more obvious, which may may be why he found it kind of annoying that the Great Moon Hoax took off so well. But I love the Great Moon Hoax. It, it, It gives you so many thoughts about what it could possibly be. You know? Yes,
1: yes, it does. <laughs> well, I immediately thought it was the stupid TikTok stuff, so.
0: Yeah. Well, Sarah, that um, that's going to do it for this episode, but we still have many letters to go, and this is going to be a multi-part series. I'm not sure how many parts, because it really depends on how long each section takes us. Right. There's a couple of sections in here that could take up almost an entire episode. Oh, my. We'll see how it goes with that. Okay. Um, but we're going to try and keep it... Uh, a, little, a little bit uh, shorter. And if there's an opportunity to expand it into an f- episode in the future, we may do that, or we may, f- we may cover um, as much as we can in, uh, right here. But we'll see how it goes, and hopefully everyone out there, all of you listening, uh, finds this interesting. Again, these are topics that really could not fit a full episode. So putting them here is a great opportunity for us to talk about them Without adding in so many details that it becomes pointless and boring. Right. Yeah. So with that, I have to say goodbye and thank you for listening to fantastic history. Please find us online. We are at fantastic H pod on Instagram and Twitter, and you can reach us on Gmail, fantastic at at gmail.com. Is there anything else, Sarah?
1: God, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye.
1: Bye.